0: grace and mercy and peace to you from god our father and from our lord and savior jesus christ the word of the lord that we consider together this morning is today's gospel along with some of the verses from our second reading from romans 6 in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit dear fellow children of god baptized into the name of the triune God. We saw the scene this morning. A few people gathered around a baptismal font. A little water touched to a person's forehead three times in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. A few words of instruction and encouragement to parents and the congregation and then the worship service continues. Baptism itself does not appear all that spectacular or impressive. But please look closely and listen carefully. And you will notice who is at work and who is speaking. And I pray that you will have an even greater appreciation that there is nothing plain and ordinary about baptism. First, please consider a group of people near the Jordan River 2,000 years ago. They're gathered around a man dressed in scratchy camel hair clothing with some locusts and wild honey in his lunchbox. John the Baptist's appearance was attention-grabbing, and so was the message he proclaimed. He warned the people who came out to him that they had failed, to offer God perfect obedience as he demands. And that as a result, they deserved God's judgment of eternal pain and death. What do you think John the Baptist would say if he walked into our church this morning? Wouldn't he say the same things? Wouldn't he say something like, Sinner, You have failed to obey God perfectly again this past week. What about those lustful or complaining thoughts? What about that impatient tone of voice when you feel irritated or angry? What about that helpful kindness that you could have done but didn't do? Our sins don't look good on us, not at all. It's time for us to repent, to stop doing those sinful things, to turn away from sinful desires, to turn to the Lord for mercy. Many of the people who listened to John the Baptist admitted that he was correct. They confessed their sins, just as we did earlier in the worship service. And John very quickly proclaimed... God's saving mercy and love to rescue them from the punishment for their sins. With water from the Jordan River, he baptized them and their sins were washed away. Baptism was, as John said, for the forgiveness of sins. But how can a little water accomplish something as great as that? It is the power of the word of the one who sent John to baptize. The one who promised a Savior so holy and so powerful that John said he was not even worthy to untie his shoelaces. And then one day as John was baptizing, he looked up and and there he was. There was Jesus standing in line with sinners asking to be baptized. Matthew's gospel tells us that John the Baptist was hesitant to baptize Jesus who had no sins to wash away. But Jesus explained that it was for him to fulfill all righteousness, for him to accomplish everything that his heavenly Father had sent him to do. He had come to be God with us. And he came so close to us that he took our sin upon himself and he was carrying it as if it were his own sin. He was fulfilling everything God the Father requires of us. He was doing that in our place. Jesus, the Son of God, was baptized for you and for me. And there is no doubt that Jesus accomplished what we need. Because at the moment that Jesus was baptized, the sky opened up. And the Holy Spirit came down in the form of a dove and landed on Jesus to direct our attention to our Savior. And then God the Father's voice proclaimed, You are my Son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. If we had been there that day, we would not have missed Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working with power and with grace. God had something big to say in this baptism. He proclaimed Jesus to be his own son. The one who came to rescue us from our punishment. The one who came to open the door to heaven for us. In baptism, God himself is at work to love and to save sinners. That's true of every baptism. Your baptism too. In baptism, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are truly present and at work. Baptism is not just a picture or a reminder that God washes our sins away. In baptism, God really does that. He tells us here that baptism is for the forgiveness of sins. In baptism, God wrote his name on you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in baptismal water. Did you see what God was doing? He was naming you after himself, claiming you as his own child. Your eternal life began in your baptism, as you were born again, spiritually reborn. In this washing of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit, as God brought you into his family. But there's something else that God did in your baptism. God buried you and raised you with Christ. But why were we buried in baptism? God tells us in his word it is because we died. Our old self, our sinful nature that only wants to sin, has actually died, God says. In baptism, we are so closely connected to Christ, who died for us and was buried. And our sinfulness was placed in Christ's grave and buried with him too. Today's second reading from Romans chapter 6 may live a new life. These words teach us two very important things. First of all, sin is serious and deadly. And baptism is saving and life-giving. Our sins were killing us, separating us from God as Satan held us captive to our sinful will. Our Savior came to our rescue as he joined us to himself in baptism. He took our sin and our guilt upon himself and he carried it to the grave as he paid the deadly wages of our sins. But he did not remain in that grave. He rose from death and as he did, he raised you too, to a new life with him. A life of faith that trusts him as your sure hope and savior. A life of thankful obedience because you now love the Son of God who loved you first and gave his life for you. A life where the righteousness of Jesus is wrapped around you and empowering you to live for the Lord. A life where sin no longer holds you captive so that you carelessly disobey God and then casually excuse it. You died to that way of life. Because in your baptism, God raised you to new life in Christ. But what about that Bible phrase that we died to sin, or we are dead to sin? Maybe think about it this way. If you are in a sound, deep sleep, you might say, I was dead to the world, unaware of and uninterested in the things that were happening around you at the time when you're dead to sin, you no longer want to sin. You no longer find it appealing because you know that's not really living. Sin cannot offer peace and happiness and purpose in life. So don't live that way anymore. You are God's dear child, dearly loved by him. God says he is well-pleased with you because he's washed your sins away in baptism. He's clothed you and covered you with the righteousness of his own son. He's given you faith with strength to say no to sin and to gladly obey his will. This is your life now. The life that God created in you in your baptism. But wait a minute, we might ask, If we are dead to sin, then why does sin still affect us? Why does sin sometimes still seem appealing? Why does sin even sometimes make us happy, at least for a little while? It is because our sinful nature that has been buried with Christ in baptism is not yet completely dead and gone. In heaven, it'll be gone forever. But for now, it keeps trying to come back into our lives, trying to re-exert control. And when it does, then we don't always do the good we want to do, and too often we give in to the evil that we do not want to do. But we won't just accept that or excuse that We've been raised in new life in baptism, and so we return to the blessings of baptism every time we repent of our sins. Every time we turn away from sin in sadness, saying, God, please wash these sins away from me again. I don't want them in my life anymore. And what does God do? He buries those sins again and raises us with new strength. Of faith to live for Christ and to be dead to sin. And then, when Satan tempts us to, whether it's to enjoy a lustful thought or to hold some anger against someone, then we can say, Satan, that's not living anymore. I died to that way of life or when Satan tempts us to skip an opportunity to gather around God's Word, or when Satan would tempt us to ignore someone who needs our help, we can say, Satan, that's not my life anymore. My Savior died to set me free from sin, free to serve Him and to obey Him gladly. That's my life now. The life that God has raised me to live in holy baptism. So while the actual event of baptism doesn't appear all that impressive, in the water and the word, God himself is powerfully at work with his grace and saving mercy. In baptism, God declared Jesus to be his son and our savior. In your baptism, God declared you To be his own dear child. Whenever you hear those words in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Please remember who you are. God's own child. Because God says so. And when you see the baptismal font, remember that you have been buried and raised with Christ. So count yourselves dead to sin. And alive to God in Christ Jesus. That is your life now. God's gift to you in your baptism. Amen.